For those who know every line, and for those finding Star Wars for the very first time, welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. Welcome back. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. Today we are covering Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 8, Reunion, and Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 9, Bounty Lost. And today is our very special Star Wars Podcast Day special episode. What's so special about it? Well, Star Wars Podcast Day, it's February 7 of every year, and it celebrates the day that the first ever Star Wars podcast premiered in 1999. So I was alive. <laughs> I was happy to be here. I cannot even imagine attempting to listen to a podcast in 1999. I don't know where they syndicated it. I don't know who listened to it. Can you get a podcast on a cassette tape like a Walkman? We had CDs in 1999. Yeah, but for podcasts? Uh, yeah, you'd have to like make little astromech modem noises. I love that. That's great. So anyway, thank you for <laughs> listening to our delightful Star Wars Podcast Day special episode. Sam, what happens in Reunion? So Reunion is a fun one. We start off where we ended last episode on the scrapper planet of Baraka with Omega learning how to disarm bombs with Wrecker being a okay teacher. He's like, I showed it to you once, so here you go. I thought this scene was very charming, but I was not on the receiving end of the lesson. Omega was probably valid for being very annoyed. So the bomb she's disarming does in fact go off, and Wrecker's like, it was a smoke bomb. I'm what do you think I am, crazy? <laughs> So Echo comes by and says, hey, it's time to go. Clean up your stuff. So as they're heading back, they are being stalked by the Scrapper Guild. They take out two. The third one takes off on a disco flyer. And there's a fun scene where Wrecker grabs onto the disco flyer and gets, you know, yeeted into things. <laughs> Just beat up until they figure it out. So Echo and Hunter are having a conversation because they were warned about the scra Scrapper patrols. They have been seen. Echo says, hey, if we had gone with Rex, we could be leaving and we wouldn't owe anyone any money. We could be continuing this fight. And Hunter says, well, we've got bombs here that we can scrap from this ship. We can sell them and we'll get Sid her money. And we are taking a different path now. We're taking care of Omega. So they go into the ship. They scurry in. They start their scavenging trip. Mm -hmm. And the party splits. Tech goes up to the bridge. The rest of them are finding proton torpedoes and various, you know, crates full of explosives, which Wrecker loves. Omega is called back up to the bridge and is talking with Tech. And there's a very poignant moment where she says, what was the war like? And he does not do a great job of describing it. He's busy. He, he gives her like one of those research explanations where you're like, what is fun? And the researcher's like, it is a behavioral socio interaction <laughs> yeah. where both parties engage in interaction. And she's like, okay, that told me nothing. But then she's like, what's that light? And he's like, that's the proximity alarm. That means someone's close by. Probably a short, but then three shuttles show up and out strolls Crosshair and it's on like Donkey Kong. Meanwhile, in the B-plot, on Camino, another bounty hunter is called in because Nalase is too close to the problem. So Lama Su calls in an additional asset to track down 
the clone. They only need one. We still don't know who they're after, what they're doing, why. We just know that there are bounty hunters in pursuit. Back on Bracca, it is time to go. The Star Destroyer is filled up with clones. The Bad Batch is running around trying to be sneaky. And they hack into communication and they're going to make it to the artillery deck. However, they are instantly surrounded because Crosshair knows that they would hack his communications and gave them false instructions. He lured them into a trap. He tells all of the soldiers to aim for Omega. But Tech and Echo come up with a plan to fire the guns. And Echo's like, that's going to blow up this whole deck. And Tech's like, yeah, that's the plan. So chaos absolutely ensues. Omega gets her first kill. And then Wrecker flings a proton torpedo at one of the elite squad with a comical dong as she gets thrown every which way. And the Bad Batch is escaping through the Star Destroyer. They almost escape through the engine, but Crosshair really does have them surrounded. He really does know their tactics. And then he takes them out of the frying pan and into the fire by turning on the engine. Tech comes up with the plan of explosively separating the engine from its mounting. Honestly, very good plan. And he's like, okay, we have two-ish minutes to execute this plan. So there's a very fun action montage as they're like holding Omega up to put these explosive charges everywhere. They go off just in time as the engine is lighting up and the whole situation goes incredibly haywire. The engine, which is huge, I mean, it's 100 feet in diameter, it's this big cylinder, falls, fire goes everywhere, Crosshair gets lit on fire, thrown into a wall and then passes out. Down for the count. The Bad Batch gets separated and thrown about. However, they decide to make good their escape. So in the ensuing chaos, Hunter and Omega make it to the ship first. When they get there, they find all of the clones are dead. A figure strolls out of their ship. It is... Da-da-da-da! Cad Bane. Legendary gun for hire Cad Bane. Who is... You know, it's delightful to see him again, but then you're like, oh, he's real scary. He gets the most amazing stinger music I've ever heard, truly straight out of a Western saloon duel. And then we have a showdown between Hunter and Cad Bane. Their hands are both at their hips. They're both twitching. Cad has been hired by the Kaminoans to bounty hunt Omega all the way back to Camino. Hunter's like, she's not going anywhere. And Cad is like, that's unfortunate. For you. Yeah. I've killed a lot of clones. And once you learn the trick of it, it gets a lot easier. The dual music is playing. There are horse clip clops. It is great. Hunter twitches. Bing, bang, boom. Cad shoots him center mass. It makes Hunter's shot go wild. Shoot off one of Toto 360's legs. And Toto's like, my booster. And then it's, it's, it's gone. Hunter down for the count. Omega, captured by Cad Bane. Yeah, Cad Bane says, sorry, little lady, and stuns her. And then we end on another cliffhanger. Another cliffhanger, although Crosshair is in very bad shape and calling for help. And then we cut to a point of view of Hunter, and we're seeing from his helmet what he sees, this crazy scene as he's getting dragged into his ship in the middle of a gunfight, and they're flying off. And that moves us right into... Bounty Lost. We do fortunately pick up immediately after this scene in Bounty Lost. 
Crosshair is horrifically injured. He is hard in pursuit of the Bat Batch, who is in turn following Cad Bane, who has kidnapped Omega. I do want to point out, Sam, every bad guy in this show has a toothpick sticking out of the corner of his mouth. Mm-hmm. It is very distracting. Not Lama Sue. Well, he's got a metaphorical invisible toothpick sticking because out of the corner no of his mouth. there's no wood on Kamino. What do they use for toothpicks? <laughs> they use fish bones. They use Ikea poly... poly <laughs> resin. It's called the peak with like a triple umla. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Bad Batch has to jump to hyperspace with no idea of how to find Omega because Crosshair will not stop shooting them. This is not good because... Cad Bane is headed to a rendezvous to meet the Kaminoans to give Omega to them so they can get some genetic material from her and then kill her. Lama Sue is very about this. Nala Se is very not about this. Good job on the names. Those Thank are you. They, that was a lot of consonants and vowels coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Lama Sue tells Nala Se she is not allowed to be involved. Hang on to that. It is important later. Meanwhile, on the Marauder, Tech finally realizes why Omega is so special and why the Kaminoans are after her. Mm -hmm. She is a pure first-gen clone, an exact replica of Jango Fett. No growth acceleration, no obedience, no inhibitor chip, no nothing. The only other living first-gen clone is Boba Fett. Yeah, as far as anyone knows. So she is basically the only living, available source of Django's DNA, and she is a prisoner on Cad Bane's ship. But because she is the best, she <laughs> frees herself from prison by tricking Toto 360, which I love. Because he's sitting there complaining about his busted leg, because of course Cad Bane's not going to help him, because Toto's a pathetic little creature, and Cad Bane's a jerk. Omega's like, I can help you with that, and then she knocks him out. She's mm-hmm. like, Sorry! They land on this cloudy, misty, burned out facility. It's very spooky, but it turns out to Omega's like, oh, hey, this looks exactly like the console on Topoka City. Yeah. It's the rendezvous point for Bane to swap Omega for a suitcase full of credits. But Omega gets away, makes contact with the Bad Batch on her comm device, and she's trying to get them a signal to her location, but Cat Bane snaps her back up again. Mm-hmm. And then who should show up but other legendary gun for hire, Fennec Shand. She comes in in a hail of blaster fire over Ton Wee's corpse. She shot Ton Wee, who is carrying the money to pay off Cat Bane. So now she's got the credits. And Cad Bane has the kid. They get into a firefight in the hallway. It is amazing. Fennec knocks Cad out, which is double amazing. And Omega raises a a satellite dish to broadcast her location to the Bad Batch. As Omega is like hacking the system, Fennec comes in and she says, I'm trying to help you. You need to come with me. Then she gets distracted beating Cad Bane up again. Mm-hmm. Actually, I guess they both get so distracted beating each other up that Omega is able to get into a flight pod and zoom off into the sunset. At one point, there's these like murky pickled clone things, like the clones in them have turned green, which is presumably the wrong color for clone juice. <laughs> and Omega drops a clone of like a beefy Kaminoan on top of Fennec. And she's like, Ugh. You can smell the formaldehyde through the screen. <laughs> it is is gross. 
But Omega yeets off into the sky. The Bad Batch swings by, snatches her out of midair. She gets hugs from everybody. Great success. And we get a quick little scene revealing what Fennec was up to. Nala say hired her behind Lama Sue's back to save Omega. And Fennec is like, well, I can keep going after her. She's back with the Bat Batch. And Nala says, like, as long as she's not with Lama Sue, she's safe. And then Hunter has to tell Omega a little bit about why the Kaminoans are after her. Mm-hmm. And she's worried. She's like, if I'm as valuable as you say, they're going to keep sending bounty hunters after me. And Hunter says... They can send every bounty hunter in the galaxy. You're never going back to Camino. You have us. <laughs> so a lot of super fun action in this one. Great action. Big feelings. Where do you want to start? I want to start in Reunion because it's the first time we've seen Crosshair for a while. Yeah. Reunion, I I guess, is the midpoint of the season. Yeah. So it makes sense to bring back Crosshair and to end on a cliffhanger to create some drama, to catapult everyone into the rising action. I feel like up until this point of season one, the story has been a little meandery, but mm-hmm. now we have a focal point. It's similar to sort of the Clone Wars as a whole of us going around and we're planting a bunch of seeds because we need to make like a really amazing 42 ingredient salad. And so we need to plant a lot of seeds to have them come to fruition. And that's what's been going on. We have the conversations between Omega and Crosshair when they're all in a standoff of like, you don't have to listen to the inhibitor chip anymore. Omega calls out when they were all in a cell together, the last time they were all together. Oh. And now that the Bad Batch has is like, hey, Crosshair, you can get this inhibitor chip removed. It's like upstairs. We will show you. The program is still loaded. The bed is still warm. Like we can we can take care of this for you. But Crosshair has a completely different plan going on. And he is such a good foil to them in this episode because he knows exactly what they're planning on doing. From the very get-go, when we're on Kamino, and Lama Su gets a message. Scrappers on Braca report some activity at a Jedi cruiser. Lama Su's like, okay, cool. This might be a big deal. Admiral Rampart says, no, no big deal. Send some scouts. And Crosshair says, you're going to need more than that. It is the rest of Clone Force 99. And when he goes there, he immediately knows that they're being jammed because that's the thing that Tech said he was going to do right before they show up. Because Crosshair knows exactly how Tech is going to do things, exactly how Hunter is going to do things, and he's able to outthink them. Yeah, I had some big thoughts about these episodes. For me, with Crosshair coming back, Reunion was about the intimacy of being known, the Mm. vulnerability of being known. Reunion is about the Bad Batch going up against an enemy who used to be a friend who's now an enemy who knows all of your thoughts before you think them. Yeah. Reunion, I think, as an episode, and it was fantastic, gets its strength from the feeling, like the depth of feeling about how many adventures the Bad Batch went on together Mm -hmm. and how intimately they know each other and how good of friends they are that they can be such perfect enemies to each other. Because it's like, how do you ever stand against Crosshair? Like, you've lost before you've begun. Because 
you would have to outthink your own self to outthink Crosshair. The other bit with that, it's is that it's a it's a trade-off. The things that they do will work on normal soldiers. Mm-hmm. But Crosshair leading these normal soldiers is able to cover both approaches. He's like, I will handle the unconventional stuff if you handle the conventional stuff. And that is super effective because he's got them pinned down from all sides. Yep. It's just, it was, I think I've talked about the feeling of claustrophobia with the Bad Batch before. And I loved that in Reunion, they're on a massive Jedi cruiser and it can still feel really suffocating and really claustrophobic because Crosshair's predicting their every move. And at the very end, the climax of the battle, when they're in the engine. Oh my God. And Crosshair's got him, he's got a beat on them. You know, he's, he's ready to shoot them if they poke their heads out and they know that. Despite the fact that it's this like 400 foot long, 100 foot diameter tube. It's massive. It still feels claustrophobic. And that's mm-hmm. the lighting. It's the shapes. The Everything being at a weird angle and kind of weirdly broken apart. And it was really tightly lit too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of floodlights in Reunion and it makes you feel like afraid and suffocated because you can only see what someone's pointing a flashlight at. And then people pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. There's... Clones marching up and down the the hallways and the Jedi cruiser. The lighting is such that their armor looks really pale. Yeah. And it also goes to show that Admiral Rampart's onto something because the combination of Crosshair plus a bunch of regular clones is a real force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Because it has a lot fewer weaknesses. And that's something when they split off to loot the room, to loot this Jedi cruiser, they're like, they're all like, okay, let's go take explosives. Uh, Tech, go steal the computer, because that's worth a lot too. And so Tech's like, yes, of course. I mean, I'm weedy. I, I can't carry a proton torpedo, but I will <laughs> I will carry a hard drive. One USB stick, please. Yeah. I can hold in my spindly little arms. And that's why Omega's helping him out too. So it's a really interesting episode to bring them all together. And then it also has a lot of emotional impact going on for Crosshair. Yeah, there was that moment where Crosshair looks at them and they're carrying all of this loot that they scavenged from this burned out ship. And he's like, look how far you've fallen. Yeah. For me... It reminded me of when you like go home to visit your parents <laughs> and you're in the grocery store wearing just trash and you see someone you knew from high school mm-hmm. and they look at you and they're like, this is what you're up to. And you're like, <laughs> "It's listen, it's not much, but it's honest work. See, that's that's funny because your folks live in the southeast of America, but uh-huh. you went to school here in Colorado. Uh-huh. I went to school in a much fancier part of Colorado than my parents are from. So when I go home, I'm overdressed. Yeah, you really do not fit in anymore. And when you go home, you're, I look like I'm going to a wedding when I go outside. And I look like a garbage time. raccoon just yeah. picking through garbage raccoon dumpster places. Yeah. Well, that's – okay, so that's why I <laughs> – So this really hits you at like this deep, <laughs> deep level. You're like, I feel like I'm a sophomore back for summer break. This oh, my gosh. This hit me in my lizard brain and my <laughs> soft spots. No, but I love the name Reunion for this episode mm, because it's yeah. so tongue-in-cheek. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like when you were really looking forward to seeing someone that you used to know and you haven't seen them in a long time and then they show up – 
And they're different and weird and terrible. And now they're just somebody you, you used to know. They're just somebody you used to know. <laughs> Crosshair also getting his face burnt off by an engine. Whoa. And then he's so enraged that he like finishes the rest of the plot with like an arm in a sling and a big bandage all over his entire head and covering one of his eyes. He's like, follow them. He's actually, it is horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Watching someone get hurt that badly and then moving on. And another bit, right when Echo fires off the guns and everyone gets thrown to the ground and explosions ensue mm-hmm. and everything falls apart. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't know what I expected. Uh, so a few moments later, Crosshair gets up. He pulls himself up from underneath this wreckage. He doesn't check with or look at any of his troops. He doesn't care at all about them. He is this creature of single-minded determination. And it is that makes it even scarier because we don't get to know Crosshair very well Mm -hmm. as a member of the Bad Batch. But now he's their antagonist. You recognize that he is this single-minded hunting individual who will stop at nothing to achieve that goal. And it makes him just all the more terrifying to have as an opponent. Would you say that he has the Bad Batch in his crosshairs? So we talked about Reunion. Do you want to talk about Bounty Lost? I sure do. Bounty Lost is amazing. (laughs) It's such a good episode. It's one of the best episodes of the season so far. So it blends together so nicely with Reunion because we have Cad Bane show up. And we've seen Cad Bane do kind of goofy stuff. Like when he's uh, in a rocket boot fight with Quinlan Voss and Kotenobi back in like season four. Of How Clone about Wars. when he stuck himself in prison to break Zero the Hut out? Oh, he looks bad in orange. He does. It's not his color. Not his, I mean, he's blue. He's blue all the way through. But it's such a... It's such a reminder of how scary he actually, like in the Racco Hardeen arc. Oh my God. And you realize that he is this extremely rich and compelling character. And that makes you want to like him because how many rich and compelling characters are there that you're like, oh, wow, I, I wish this character was had the depth and breadth and interest of this character. And then Cad Bane, really bad dude. I love it's really scary. I love seeing Cad Bane show up. I also love seeing him leave because he is very dangerous. <laughs> he is not healthy for our faves to be around. Oh my like, gosh. Do you remember way back in the early season one of the Clone Wars and Hondo Onaka shows up and mm-hmm. he's a big bad. Yeah. And then Cad Bane shows up and makes Hondo look like a lovable uncle. Yes. That is the scaling of when Cad Bane comes on scene. You are like, oh, everything is very dicey all of a sudden. And it really rewards watchers of The Clone Wars because, yes, the Bad Batch is part of season seven, but Cad Bane is calling back to every season of The Clone Wars. He always shows up. He's always up to bad stuff. Every time there's a real serious problem that needs resolution it's because of cad bane my gosh he is such a such a terrifying force he is the bane of many existences 
And so this is the uh, the Worf effect, it's called. So in Star Trek The Next Generation, Michael Dorn plays a character named Worf, who's the big Klingon dude. And he's a absolute combat monster. But like every episode when they need to show off how bad, like how scary the big bad is, they have them beat up Worf. Oh. And so we've seen Fennec Shand beat up Wrecker and also Hunter Watching Hunter get outdrawn by someone. Literally the worst feeling in the whole world. And then he just gets like shot down. Just because bonk. Hunter is the ace guy of the Bat Batch. Yeah. He is the most effective. He is the leader. He is the pinnacle. He's the platonic ideal of a <laughs> Bad Batcher. And Cad Bane just plays with him. Yes. He wasn't even trying hard, and he outshot Hunter. So then throughout the rest of Bounty Lost, when Fennec shows up, we get some such exceptionally cool stuff because they are fighting in a way that it's not like they strictly want to kill each other. They're not trying to kill each other. They're trying to get ahead of the other one. Yeah, it's like a a race with punches. It's a knockdown, drag-out fight. For me, this was an instant classic. This was a Star Wars fight scene that I will go back to again and again. And there's no holds barred. They just don't expect, like, oh, you came around this corner and set off a proximity bomb. I I didn't actually expect that to kill you. The subtitles, when Fennec grabs Cad and shoves him in front of his own arm, Mm -hmm. the subtitles are that the bones are breaking. She broke his shoulder girdle. Yeah. What? And he gets wrapped up in bolas. They're shooting back and forth. He gets thrown off the edge and has to rocket boot himself back up and then land. Okay, how did I forget that Cad Bane has full Mandalorian gear? He's got a flamethrower. He's got rocket boots. He's ready to take out Jedi. So yeah. he needs full Mandalorian gear. He he doesn't have the armor because he just dodges lasers, you know? But he he is able to take on anyone and anything. And Fennec is skilled, but they have this... They recognize each other. They respect each other. And Cad Bane says, you don't have the experience to be tussling with me. But she is really good for a rookie. There's a great scene. So Toto gets the case, steals the case of money from Fennec. Oh, my God. And that distraction is enough for Cad Bane to throw a thermal detonator. (laughs) Fennec hits the dirt and, like, kicks it. She does a spin kick. She yeets all of the credits out <laughs> no, into space. She hits the grenade into Toto. It explodes. Toto uses the case to protect himself. The credits go every <laughs> which way. And Cad Bane in that moment is my credits. My credits. <laughs> <laughs> because presumably it was like at least 100,000 credits. It was a massive. The Kaminoans are not hurting for cash. No, no. That fight scene, because the whole two episodes, I had been thinking, why does Cad Bane keep Toto 360 around? And the answer is to disarm little girls of their electro bows and steal money cases from Fennec Shand. Yeah, it's the distraction. Toto is around to be deeply annoying and effective in very tiny, irritating ways. Yes. Yeah. He's a techno service droid. Oh that's, my god. That's what he's for. <laughs> Cad Bane studied the Jedi, you know, and he's like, man, the Jedi are able to use 
protocol droids and astromech droids to cause all sorts of trouble. What about like a techno service droid who I can program to be a little bit malicious and a little bit weird? <laughs> he calculated correctly. So there's a great bit at the end of this where Omega has pretty much escaped, honestly. <laughs> she it's... keeps escaping and doing great. She doesn't need anybody. And she starts heading towards the flight pods, which apparently still work, which is great. And then... While Fennec and Cad are just beating the crap out of each other, <laughs> Toto and Omega are fighting. Oh my god. And Toto has this horrific knife wound in his head because <laughs> he took a knife to the face from Fennec earlier and apparently pried it out because he doesn't need, need that. It was what he deserved. But then Omega jumps on top of him and rides him down onto the landing pad where he crashes and he's on his stupid big head unable to ride himself <laughs> like a just a, a turtle with a body. If he wasn't such a malicious little mother effer, you'd feel bad for him <laughs> but you don't you're like yes sit on your own stupid head this and, is what you deserve and then when omega launches the pod uh <laughs> it's it's just a little sphere with a rocket butt and toto is like on the windshield he's like haha you can't escape now and she presses the go button he's like oh no as he gets just flung off in this I was just waiting for her to windshield wiper him into <laughs> non-existence. <laughs> you know what that escape reminded me of is when Fives escaped from the Camino Laboratories. Yeah. And he skips away over the sea with AZ and his little flight pod. And mm -hmm. AZ's like, you're not going to make it very far. And he's like, joke's on you. I don't need to. <laughs> and like, joke's on Toto. Because her dad's coming to scoop her up out of the sky. So that's something I deeply enjoy about this episode is the callbacks to the technology on Camino. We are not on Camino, but we are on some sort of floating Kaminoan city that is apparently abandoned and the clones have all gone pickled and the air filters have been replaced with smoke machines. Gross. Yeah, it is. It's green and yellow instead of blue and Ikea. But now we have, we still have the same flight pods, which is a callback to fives. The fight between uh, Omega and Toto is very similar to like what AZ and fives were doing and like mm -hmm. fives running around because like getting in close to the droid, doing things like that. It's very interesting. But this episode honestly opens up more cans of worms than it closes as far as what the Kaminoans are up to because we also have why the bounty hunters are going against each other because there's multiple factions of Kaminoans, although one less now because Tanwi is like, I'll help. And then, nope, she's dead. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about that at length. Cool. Hello, King Katuko heads. Is your protocol droid sounding a little rusty when she does your translations? Is your favorite astromech droid a little slow on the spanner? Beep, boop, boop. Come on down to Coruscant Superior Droid Spa to get them running smooth. Coruscant Superior Droid Spa has everything your droid needs, from oil changes to deep conditioning. So come on down to Coruscant's Superior Droid Spa. And Kinkatuko Heads, if you would like your ad to play here in the middle of our episode, all you have to do is email growingupskywalker at gmail.com and we will announce your thing with all of the sophistication and verve. 
You heard, as we advertised, Coruscant Superior Droid Spa. We'll even do it for real things. Okay, so we find out the reason that the Kaminoans want Omega. She is the purest, living, unmessed with expression of Jango Fett's DNA. So I I have questions about that. I have so many thoughts. First of all, how unmessed with can she be if she is a female gendered person and Jango's a male gendered person? So we talked about this all the way back, I think, in Aftermath. Yeah. Where... It seems to me now that the Kaminoans made at least two perfect replicas of Jango Fett. We mm-hmm. have Boba, codename Alpha, by the way. Yeah. And Omega. So Alpha Omega, first and last, mm-hmm. which could be an argument that there's only two of them. And my understanding from when we first talked about this is that they basically punched XY chromosome for Boba and XX chromosome for Omega. Yeah. And then they are just perfect, pure, unchanged versions of Django. Yeah, or at least in the parts where it matters, because they did change a lot of Django to create the clones. They made them more docile, more willing to follow orders. And we see this, we talked about this in the various Baby Boba episodes, (laughs) as well as in Attack of the Clones, how Django is such a wild character mm-hmm. in comparison to the rest of them. And we do only get to see Django for a little bit. You know, he's introduced in Attack of the Clones. He dies in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, we find out a lot, though. But we do get to learn a lot about Boba. And Boba has a hard time interacting with clones because he is much more rowdy and much more willing to go against the grain. What I love about this massive revelation is that Based on what we are surmising about the way that Boba and Omega are, everything that is inside of Omega is inside of Boba and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And they have turned out very differently. That also indicates a couple funny things. One of them is that Boba and Omega are probably the exact same age. Uh Uh-huh. Or, I mean... Close enough. And also, Omega is older than the rest of them. She's literally older than the entire Bad Badge. Yes. Which is great. And Rex. Yeah. (laughs) And Rex is the old timer. He's got wrinkles. Yeah, because he's a Gen 1 clone and she's a Gen 0 clone. Wow. You know what I love about thinking about this is that I feel like Because the Bad Batch is saying, okay, Omega and Boba, both exact replicas of Django. Mm -hmm. I feel like the show is putting its foot very firmly in the nurture camp of Mm. nature versus nurture. Yeah. Because what we know about baby Boba from all the baby Boba arcs is that he watched his dad die. He yeeted off into the outer rim. Mm-hmm. He got picked up by Aura Singh yeah. and her ba- her band of miscreant bounty hunters. And Aura was kind of like what Hunter is to Omega. Mm-hmm. But instead of being surrounded by this very loving, very supportive Bad Batch, he's surrounded by these dangerous criminals who keep making him prove himself and don't like him very much. And I think that's actually because Aura is crosshair. Oh. She's, a, she's a sniper. Oh, 
you're so She's right. She's an assassin. Oh my God. Because when Boba spends time with Hondo, who is, I don't know, the Sid of the situation. <laughs> He's a little bit less sketchy than Sid, honestly. And, uh Bosk Daddy, who's Wrecker. Kind of. He's mean wrecker. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Like all of the, um, and the Poison Ivy lady who, uh, Lats Razzy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Boba spends time with all of these, these characters and they all, yeah, being raised as a bounty hunter as opposed to being raised as a soldier or whatever the Bad Batch are raising her to be. Yeah, because think about it. When Boba has to prove himself with his weird rando family, Mm -hmm. they're like, okay, well, you have to kill Mace Windu. And he fails, right? Yeah. And then when the Bad Batch is like, okay, Omega, you have to prove yourself. It's things like you need to be able to keep up with us. You need to go help tech on the bridge. If you could, you know, ferry these chain codes to the other end of this chain code that yard. Was, that was her. Yeah, okay, that was Omega. But I'm just thinking about how the Bad Batch is setting Omega up for success. And Boba's bounty hunting crew was just waiting for him to fail. So I have a thought on that. And it's related to student loans. So this sounds controversial, but okay. <laughs> but I'll allow it. So Bobo is in these relationships because his dad owed money and was owed money by these people. Hmm. And so he already has a system in place of relationships based off of money. Whereas Omega is raised in a relationship based off of family. And that is like the toxicity of being already bound into a monetary relationship because money, uh, David Graeber talks a lot about this in debt, the first 5,000 years, which is a really interesting book, but it's about how money is a stand in for a social relationship. And it like completely, it, it's like a transferable social relationship. And that is what Boba was raised in. Yeah, Boba is in a situation where he is kind of an indentured servant. Exactly. Yeah, he he is in a situation where everything around him is colored by debt and by things that are owed. And that is a, yeah, that's a very unhealthy dynamic. Whereas Omega's in a situation where the people around her love her and will do things to keep her safe. Despite the fact that uh, she's poor. The Bad Batch is poor. Yeah, but They're- I mean, she doesn't like eat a lot. No, she no, doesn't take up a lot of space. Like she's a pretty light load as far as people go. But I doubt Boba Fett ever has to really worry about where his next meals are coming from. Mm. But Omega actually does. And I wonder how that's oh. going to carry forward because that is like something that binds families together. I mean, that is a like almost unfortunately a uniquely family thing is a family kind of starves together. But when you're when you're like a comically large amount of money in debt or people owe you that money and it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars back and forth, then you have to just get more and more out there in terms of how you're going to earn it. You have to get more and more violent. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because what I loved was seeing how Omega gets herself out of being in prison by Cad Bane. Mm-hmm. She gets her way. She manipulates Toto. She escapes in not a particularly nice way, but without 
actually being very ruthless or cruel. She temporarily knocks out Toto. She says, sorry. And then she yeets off into the facility. And she shows that she is not to be underestimated in a very different way than I think Boba would have in that situation. Yeah. I I think Boba would have gotten himself broken out in a similar way. And then he would have shot the head off of Toto 360 and been like, see ya. So speaking of Boba shooting the heads off of things, and this is very funny <laughs> that we've spent so much time talking about someone who we haven't seen in three seasons. His and we'll, presence is felt. We won't see Boba Fett until Empire Strikes Back. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but there is in the original... Uh, sketches for what was to be season seven of the Clone Wars before Bad Batch, because season seven was put together and like they got the art put together and did even some screen tests, but it was canceled. There was a showdown between Boba Fett and Cad Bane. Whoa. And Boba Fett shoots Cad Bane in the head. Oh, man. And Cad Bane in this episode has a huge metal plate on his head. That's what that is? Maybe. I thought that was just him being a weird Duros space person. No, I think he got shot in the head. Oh my God. Boba Fett. Boba Fett, head shooter at large. Yeah. (laughs) So Cat Bane is actually perhaps approaching, I mean, he's an alien, so we don't know. It's always so funny to me in fantasy and science fiction that people are like, oh yeah, you know, basically every alien or fantasy species lives the same amount of time as humans. I'm like, that's dumb. You know, make these aliens live six months, make them live 6,000 years. So we don't know how long Duros live, but Cad Bane is around for a long time because he's already at like, He's at the peak of his career. Yeah, he's already able to command extremely high prices from Emperor Palpatine throughout the Clone Wars. He has been legendary and just continues to be legendary. So another thing that is extremely interesting, and so we're going to put a little bookmark here and revisit it in years, is the tie-ins between this episode, Bounty Lost, and a bunch of stuff going on in season two of The Mandalorian. Oh my God, no way. Oh, and the sequel trilogy. So- Wow. Yeah, what type of cloning is going on? We see all sorts of weird experimental Kaminoan cloning. That's something that Omega definitely doesn't want to be part of. Yeah, I really wanted to talk about that because you know how I said reunion is kind of like meeting someone again that you haven't Mm -hmm. seen in a long time and they don't look like the person that you used to recognize? Yeah. I thought Bounty Lost was a little bit about It was a little bit like seeing a part of yourself that you don't recognize. Hmm. So there's that really haunting scene when Omega is escaping from Fennec and Cad Bane the first time. And she's sneaking through the facility and she ends up in this weird chamber with all of the green pickled clone jars. She realizes that it's an old cloning facility and she stares into this creepy green tank with Mm -hmm. this twisted fetus inside of it, Mm -hmm. this abandoned experiment. And you can see her realizing, I'm just one of those experiments. Yeah. That is me Mm -hmm. in there. And they abandoned this place and left all of these specimens for dead. And that makes me so sad because I don't think until that moment she had really 
thought about that aspect of just being an experimental clone. Yeah, I feel like perhaps the regular clones, the regs, and even the Bad Batch know what their role is. Like they talk about that uh, in Ambush where clones were meant to be disposable, you know? Yeah, but I don't think Omega ever felt like that. I think she knew that she was an experimental clone just like the Bad Batch. She didn't know what her special thing is. And then she's like, maybe it just turns out that there's nothing special about me except for my DNA. Yeah. And I didn't have anything to do with that. I didn't choose my DNA. It's kind of like an existential crisis that everyone feels, though. You know, I didn't get choose to get born. Like, what, yeah. what is this BS? Oh, my God. My parents, whenever I say that I don't want children, they're like, well, but we we had you. How would you like to have never been born? And I'm like, I didn't choose to be a flesh puppet on this <laughs> spinning rock. I wish to exist in the post-existence spiritual universe. Thank you. I wish to be a floating consciousness. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not tethered to this meat sack. <laughs> so there's still mystery that yeah. abounds in cloning and these ancillary Kaminoan facilities on other planets. Yeah. And what kind of experiments people can get up to with cloning because it's it's just weird. Tiny side note, when Omega drops that clone fetus body on yeah. Fennec, I guess I didn't realize are the Kaminoans themselves clones? Yes. Why did I never put that together? So it's legends stuff mostly of what the Kaminoans are up to, but they are super genetically engineered. They've engineered themselves for like eye color and casts and things like that because their planet wasn't always an ocean planet. They had like a catastrophic sea level rise. And when you do that, you run out of space for people to live. And then they're like, hello, we would like to be Ikea shaped. Yeah. Because there's like very little evolutionary advantage to having a comically large neck and a comically small head. We would like to be, we would like to have matchstick limbs so you can stick a lot of us in one place. Exactly. Well, or (laughs) just like anything else, because as I was telling you earlier today, on my commute, there's a herd of longhorns. And it's funny to see cattle that's been bred for one specific thing. And that's true of like human beings and every other creature. We're bred for very weird traits. Humans are are magnificently bred for weird traits. Big Be- brains. Well, or just whatever. Opposable thumbs. Whatever gets you laid is what you're <laughs> bred for, honestly. Luxurious beards. <laughs> Yeah, if it if it works, it works. And that's the funny thing about creatures. And the funny thing about evolution is it only has to work for one gestation period. <laughs> and that means it worked. I feel like men should be selectively bred to look like Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's my hot take for today. <laughs> so then Alec Guinness and... Uh, I'm thinking you and McGregor. Yeah, and you and McGregor have to have more kids. Perfect. I volunteer as tribute. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a whole lot. I just have one more thing Mm -hmm. about my feelings. Okay. I just continue to have very big feels about Hunter and Omega. Yeah. When Crosshair is holding her at gunpoint, he, Hunter, pushes her behind his back. Mm Mm-hmm. And he dives on top of her to shield her from the wreckage when the whole Jedi cruiser is falling apart. 
And then when they blast the engine apart, he grabs her in a bear hug. And he's mm -hmm. like, don't worry, I got you. And then they fall. That, gosh, it's such a crazy scene running through that. I love the three-dimensionality of Reunion. And then when Omega is running away from Cat and Fennec on, in Bounty Lost, she's yelling into her comms unit, Hunter, I need you. Mm -hmm. Just... <laughs> Yeah. He attack. <laughs> he always gives snack. He, I love him. He cannot provide as many snacks as he would like. The rest he, of but crew. he's trying. He makes sure that she gets her snack. Like he's got the muscles. He's he's protective. <laughs> I am honestly so humiliated that he brings up these like big feelings in me because Omega's this lost child, and mm -hmm. he's like. Don't worry, I will protect you. And he's just her little brother. <laughs> he really is, and that makes it worse. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, I loved some of the scenes. I love the characterization that Tech is growing into in this yeah. episode as well. Because he talks about when Omega asks him about the war, he gives a very blasé answer. I don't know if he doesn't want to talk about it or if he is still coming to terms with his new role in things or if he's just busy and he's just like giving her answers and doesn't know how to communicate with her. But the we talked, we've talked at length about how there's different parenting styles that all of these bad batch have for Omega. Yeah, tech is the answer to your questions, dad. Mm -hmm. But tech is also coming. There's very funny lines in Reunion of like as they go into the engine, Wrecker's like, or I think te uh, Echo's like, I didn't know he'd be going through the engine. Tech's like, I could not possibly have been more clear. <laughs> tech is you. You te are Tech. Oh, yeah, I, I very much feel Tech because people are like, what's the, like um, last night we were at a, a little party and someone said, did the oceans get bigger? And I'm like, Whoa. Like that what an we were talking, geophysical question. We were talking about Pangea. Yeah. And one gal was like, when the continents broke apart, did that make more ocean? And everyone just whips their head around and looks at Sam and he's like, what a question. <laughs> Let me monologue at you for 25 more minutes. Yeah. And, and that we will not have an answer. <laughs> Gave an answer eventually, but you need context for those things. And tech obviously is not used to the context. So actually later on in when they're in the engine, he's like, these engines are super interesting. Check out like the heat thing. And Wrecker they're slaps They're a mechanical marvel. And it's like, nobody cares. <laughs> I really feel tech. That is very fun. Yeah. But enough about characters, especially since we spent so much time talking about characters who aren't even in these episodes, like <laughs> Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi. What are you getting at? It's time for Bad Watch. It's time for Bad Watch. Bad Watch. Sam, who is your baddie? It is Fennec Shand. It's Fennec Shand. Yes. Can I tell you a secret? It's yours also. My baddie is also Fennec Shand. <laughs> she is the baddest baddie who ever batted. I was so worried when we started coming into Bad Batch that our Baywatch would get filled with like just the Bad Batch. It absolutely is not. It is not. I we mean, get recurring 
Clone Wars and other Star Wars miscellaneous characters every episode. And the guest stars are really stars. So I, I wish to clarify that it's not that the Bad Batch is not great characters. Oh, they're phenomenal. But in this one particularly, the way Fennec shows up and is ready to take on Cad Bane, and she is still terrifying. Like, her entry involves a murder. She straight up kills someone and takes their stuff, and then is ready to protect Omega from Cad Bane, willing to go face-to-face with Cad Bane to fight Cad Bane, shows just a bravery and a skill, and then she's able to do it. You know what I loved about Fennec and why she's my baddie for Bad Watch this episode is that she had such a spectrum of vicious, ruthless fighter Mm -hmm. and very gentle with Omega. Yeah. There's that very interesting conversation that they have in the weird cloning facility room. Omega's tapping at the keys. She's trying to boost the signal. She's trying to tell the Bad Batch where she is. And Fennec walks up behind her and says... It's too late for them to help you. The Mm -hmm. only person you can rely on is yourself. Yeah. What an interesting conversation. Part of that. Oh, so what I love about that actually circles back to Boba Fett. Because presumably Fennec has been able to put two and two together. And also presumably knows who Boba Fett is and Jango Fett. So she might even know the whole story. Yeah, she feels like the kind of person who probably ran around with Aura Singh and her gang and probably did some odd jobs with them. And so she knows what's going on, but perhaps she is seeing Omega as a daughter of Fett. Oh my god. More than Omega bad hyphen batch. Oh my god. Yeah. Because she's like, the only person you can rely on is yourself, like your brother, like your father, because otherwise you're going to get in with rough crowds. They're going to take things from you and you're not going to be able to move forward. She's like, I watched it happen Mm -hmm. with your big brother or your sideways brother. And another interesting thing for Fennec saying that is that she flies alone. Mm-hmm. Even Cad Bane has Toto 360 to keep him company. Mm-hmm. Wow. She really took her advice to heart. The only person you can rely on is yourself. Yeah. Wow. I liked that moment when she calls Nala Say and she's like, do you want me to keep following them and make sure that Omega's safe? And Nala Say doesn't renew her contract. Yeah. I liked that moment because I liked that it's kind of Fennec not saying that she cares about what happens to Omega, but hinting at it. And Nala Say also caring what happens to Omega and saying, nope, she's got this band of renegade clones. She is as safe as she could be. Mm-hmm. I love that everybody loves Omega. Even Cad Bane calls her little lady, and that's nice. He's a real jerk back to her, but he calls her little lady and and he gets a point back on his scorecard. He for called that. Ahsoka a little lady and it's it was, scary. It was grosser. It's scary because that's the kind of thing that Cad Bane is like, well, I have to have something to call people who I'm pointing a gun at. So we've got, you know, you if you're an adult. Darlin. If, yeah, Darlin, if it's a lady, if it's a, a someone who's possibly female. If it's a boy, like a, a hey, young, you. I guess I guess I'll call him chap or sport. Pipsqueak. <laughs> Pipsqueak. <laughs> and little lady. Little lady for girls who I have to shoot at. 
Because he has to shoot at girls all the time. Because he's Cad Bane and he has so few scruples. God. What a life. At this <sighs> point, it doesn't feel like Cad Bane really needs money. It feels like he's kind of in this because he likes the work. He got a ship upgrade. He did. I believe that when we last saw Cad Bane, he was flying the Xanadu Blood. Which is an elite, cra- elite class P-38 Little speed ship, although it did have a cloaking device, apparently. And now he's flying... Something bigger. Something bigger. Which, honestly, in the Star Wars universe, I'd want something bigger because it's like, if you're a person who flies around in a ship, it is also your home. Yeah, and his home has a brig in the bottom. Yeah. He's got a prison. I would want, like, a place, a a bunk. You know, I can't imagine living out of an X-Wing. That sounds kind of miserable. I would want an extravagant cloakroom. Well, so <laughs> funnily enough, you are in for a treat. If you're willing to settle for a slightly salvaged title YT1300 <laughs> Corellian with a cloakroom. Boy, do I have the ship for you. There's one being built like right now Whoa. on Corellia, which is fun. Exciting. Yeah. That's a pretty good bad watch. I'm happy with that. All right, Sam, what are we watching next week? Uh, Something which reminds me of one of my favorite weird things about Star Wars is that apparently, despite being a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, there is a hell and there is a devil because we are watching Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 10, Common Ground, and Episode 11, Devil's Deal. Yikes. So we'll see what that's all about. We are pretty close to the end of season one of Bad Batch. We're at least two thirds through. We have four more episodes of the podcast for season one of the Bad Batch, and then we're on to season two. Which is currently ongoing. So we're actually going to be catching up with all of our, you know, watch it when it comes out people. So that'll be so exciting. Deeply exciting. I love being current. (laughs) She is the moment. I have to watch ahead. (laughs) Oh, no, I have to watch more TV. Oh, no, I need more. (laughs) I need to watch more Star Wars. (laughs) As always, you can find us on the various social medias that exist this week. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And you can also track us down on Patreon. New this year, our Patreon start at three bucks a month for all the content, our entire back catalog of Spice Ride and stuff like that. And we are so grateful for all of our listeners and we would welcome anything you have to send to us. And send this episode to someone who calls you little lady (laughs) or if you identify not as a little lady someone who calls you pipsqueak send this to someone who's up and coming in their field and demands respect with boots oh yes i want to be that person (laughs) and we'll see you next tuesday bye-bye